0: So what we're doing—it's been a couple weeks since we've been here. Has it? It feels like it. It's been a while. Yeah. What was last? What were we doing last week? It was FDN. That's right. Um, Family Discipleship Night. Um, so basically, we're taking the year to give an overview of Scripture, right? Um, because you got a big book here, and for a lot of us, we have stories floating around but maybe no idea of what the big story of scripture is. Uh, So we have covered, well, actually flip over to your table of contents, right? Page one in the Bible. How do I get my notes? There they are. (laughs) It had notes in it. And I'm like, I can't wing this. Like, goodness gracious. They're all badly. Go, go to the table of contents, right? It's page, like, two, probably, because you have, you know, a publisher. Um, so you have Old Testament, New Testament. We started at the beginning, right? We did Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Anybody know what we call the first five books of the Bible? Pentateuch. Pentateuch five meaning penta, five, um, toque. And then, so now we're jumping into the next, the next 12 books make up about a thousand years of history. Um, And they're, they're more or less historical books. So like if you're in the Old Testament, you know, there's some books that are history, some that are poetry, like the Psalms. Um, You know, you have Psalms by Moses and then you have Psalms by David 2,000 years later. It's not like, it's just one historical collection, same with Proverbs. Uh, then you have some prophets happening, which are kind of scattered around. But the next 12 books, which would be uh, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, um, they make up about a thousand years of history, and they're more or less chronological. Um, more or less, yeah. We'll we'll deal with the or less when we get there. Um, but it just kind of paints out what life looks like for God's people between entering into the promised land and entering exiting out of the promised land um, and so we'll we'll start with the first you know couple of years in the book of Joshua which is all about the conquest so let me let me just catch this up. Um, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah? Why is there a fish? Okay. Um, Man sins, and God says, so the penalty for sin is death, but I'm going to bring a deliverer to you who's going to restore you as my people, bring you back to my place, and rule over you, and uh, have my presence among you again. So the things that were lost in Egypt, Eden, when when Adam and Eve sinned, were the presence of God with them, being God's special people, and being in God's place. Um, Then you jump to Abraham, right? And God promises, hey, I'm going to make you a great people. I'm going to give you this land to live in, and I will be with you and bless you. God basically promises, I'm going to undo everything that happened because of sin. Um, So God calls Abraham. We have the story of Genesis, his. Son, grandson, great-grandkids, which were not, you know, awesome, but they're, they're the family, right? Um, we get into Egypt. We have slavery uh, for a couple hundred years. But Israel just grows and multiplies. Ten, ten plagues, prince of Egypt, comes out of slavery. And then um, God says, all right, you're out of slavery. Let's take a quick step at Sinai. We'll give you some law here. And then go in and take this land I'm going to give you. I promised the land back to Abraham. Now it's yours. There's people living there. Go take it. And so they send 12 spies in. And spies are like, yeah, not going to happen. These guys are giants. We're like grasshoppers. No way. Um, Caleb and Joshua were, nope. Caleb and Joshua. Yeah, Yeah. We're like, no, God, God said to do it. We can totally take them. It looks impossible, but if God said it, yeah, good enough for me. Um, so they go out in the tent, like, yeah, not happening. So God's like, well, you're going to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. When all of the generation, you know, dies who thought that I wouldn't fulfill my promises, then your kids can go in and take the land. But if you're not going to trust me for the land, it's not happening for your generation. So everybody dies except Caleb and Joshua. They're old now. But God says, all right, Joshua, Moses is dead. You're up. Go in and take this land. I'm giving it to you. Um, And so the book of Joshua opens with, well, flip over to Joshua. You're in the table of contents, so you can find it real quick. Um, One. Very beginning. So so the book of Joshua begins after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, the river, you and all the people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Um, So God says, you know what? You're the guy now. You're the leader of these people. Go in, take this land that I promised you. And so Joshua is kind of the account of Joshua's leadership of taking over the land that God promised Abraham uh, to give them. And so when we look at Joshua, just big picture-wise, Here's what the, what the book looks like. Um, maybe some of this sounds familiar to you. Maybe it's just completely new. Um, but I'm going to give you a quick summary, and then we'll deal with a couple themes, and then hopefully have time for small groups because we have it in a few weeks. Um, so the first 12 chapters are basically the, the, the account of the people taking the land, right? So they have spies that get sent in. We know Rahab. Have you heard of her before? She takes the spice into her house. She's like, hey, I know that you're going to destroy this city. I want to help you. Will you protect me and my family? Absolutely. Um, so they go. They enter into the land. They cross the Jordan River. It stops. They walk through on dry land. It's like another exodus, really. Um, and then we get to Jericho. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. Yeah. All right. March around it seven days in a row. On the seventh day, march around it seven times, blow your trumpets, shout, the walls come down, go in, kill everybody, take all their stuff, destroy it. This is your city now. Actually, no, this isn't. This is your land now. But Jericho is such a wicked place. No one should ever rebuild this city. Don't have new Jericho where the the Israelites live. It's just a wasteland from now on. Um, So they're like, oh, wow. I guess we can defeat some people. Let's go. And they start just, you know, fighting battles. And then they get to uh, Ai. And this is chapter... Um, where are we? Uh, chapter 7, right? And they're like, send up spies to Ai. Tell us what this place is like. We're going to send everybody. The whole force of God's army is going up to Ai. So they send a couple spies up. And they're like, no. Like... This is like Kings. I grew up in Kingsley. It's a little town in the middle of nowhere. They're like, you don't need your whole army. It's like, send guys on vacation. Like, if you want to stop at Subway and get lunch, that's fine. Get 3,000 guys, send them up to AI. No problem. Easy peasy. We got it. So, like, all right, 3,000. Let's go. They go up to AI and just get utterly defeated. I think 34 people get killed. tons. 36 get killed, tons of people get, you know, injured, and they just flee away. And Joshua's like, what in the world is happening? Like, you told us, like, we've seen the power of God. You know, it doesn't matter how good your soldiers are when you win a battle by marching in a circle and shouting. Like, clearly it's the power of God here. Um, and they're like, what happened? And apparently Achan, this guy, Instead of destroying the gold of Jericho, he's like, you know what? I wouldn't mind some gold for my house. So he takes it, he hides it in his tent. And because he disobeyed God, you know, the army lost. Thirty-six people died. Um, and so he, you know, it's, what happens to him? He he confesses, and I think he, uh, yeah, they can, they can die. Yeah, he got stoned. Um, and then they go, all right, let's try Ai again. And they defeat it easy um, because God's with them. So basically this 12, verse, twelve first 12 chapters is more or less, I mean, apart from Achan, um, you just have this great victory of battle, battle one, battle one, battle one, battle one, and this land expanding all throughout um, where you kind of have, if this is Israel, it looks just like it. You have the Jordan here. Um, They kind of come in and they take, you know, Jericho, Ai, a couple other cities. And then some of them go down here and they just take all of this. Some of them go up here and they just take all of this. Um, And then they get right about here, right? And they're like, you know what? I'm good. Um, And they don't really ever finish taking the land up here. Um, But that's what we got. They didn't finish. So that's like the first 12 chapters of uh, Joshua. And then 13 through 20, you're like, battles. I could read this. This sounds exciting. Then it's like, okay, this is now, we send out the uh, the surveyors, and we're dividing up the land. Here's who lives here. Here's lo- who lives here. Here's lo- who lives here. Um, each of the 12 tribes, 11 out of the 12 tribes get land. Uh, some of them hang out over here um, where they were. Uh, the Levites, they get cities instead of areas. Um, but that's for 12 chapters or so. And then the last two chapters, Josh was like, I'm old. I'm done. Let me give you this final speech before I die. And we want to say, you know what? Let's recommit ourselves to the Lord. Now that we've gotten the land that he promised to us, um, are you going to serve him? Are you going to serve other gods? What are we doing here? And everyone says, we're going to, we're going to serve God. And then he's like, yeah, you're going to try. But that's not gonna happen um, because you're sinful. Just because you got the land, the big problem of sin hasn't been fixed. And so you're gonna try hard, but you're gonna do some good and you're gonna do some bad. We're not gonna be perfect. Um so so that's kind of the overview of the book of Joshua. It's it's a pretty good book. Um and it's fairly successful. I mean, there's books where you're just like, man, these people are terrible. They fail, and then they fail, and then they fail, and it's like, maybe, nope, they failed again. I mean, we'll get there next week with Judges, um, but Joshua's a pretty good book. Um, so what I want to do is talk about three things we learned from Joshua, maybe convince you to read it, and then, and then call it a night. Um, so I think what we need to learn about is, is flying here? Obedience, sin, and sovereignty. Those are three words that kind of give us the theme of the book of Joshua. So when I say obedience, just through the book, there are these promises. You know what? We're going to obey God now. We're going to obey God. Like I've seen the wilderness. We don't want to do that again. We're going to obey God. Um, so you see, you know, they promise to obey Joshua. The spies trust God this time instead of saying, oh, no, no way we can defeat it. They observe Passover and circumcision again. Uh, Even with with Jericho, it's right, hey, massive army in the city. Here's what we're going to do. You want us to walk around? No. I want you to walk around six times. That's it? No. Be really quiet while you do. What do we do on day seven? March around it seven times and blow your trumpets. Who's like... They're going to shoot me from the the walls. Like, there's no way I'm doing that. But, you know, Israel's marching band comes out. They blow their trumpets. The walls come down. And, like, they trust God. Like, I don't think any of us would do that. Like, if I was like, hey, let's go march around whatever, Clifford Smart seven times for seven days. Like, show up here every morning with me. Thank you. I was like, you're an idiot, Dan. No way. Um, You know. In chapter 8, after they defeat Jericho and after they defeat Ai, uh, they, they're they afraid of sin in their lives after the whole thing with Achan. So so Joshua gets up, he reads the entire law of Moses. He reads Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and they just stand and listen to him. They build altars to the Lord to worship him. Um, even... Flip over to the very end of Joshua. Joshua 24. Um, Look at verse 19. Um... So this is, you know, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know that verse? This is where it comes from. Um, Joshua 24, 19. Joshua says to all the people who are gathered, you're not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive you transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm to you and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no. We will serve the Lord. And Joshua said um, to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you, incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. Right, there, there's all this, you know, if you don't obey God, He's not going to bless you. He's going to destroy you. And they're like, great, we're going to obey. Like, there's a lot of obedience in here. And the story is really, it's one of victory. It's one of blessing. It's all of this land. Like, you've been slaves, and then you've wandered around the desert your entire life. And now it's like, you get houses that you didn't have to build. You get wells that you didn't have to dig. Anybody ever dig a well before? Like, no. No. You get water, which is crazy when you've been living in the desert for 40 years. You get olive trees that you didn't plant and food that you didn't grow. You get all of this just given to you. And it's because they obeyed God and God blessed them. Um, And God still blesses when we obey. It's not like our obedience earns blessing from God. But usually... um, anybody ever feel what like you want to love God you want to have joy in God you want to just you know enjoy reading the Bible you want to enjoy praying you hear, hear a sermon like Pastor Jeff's this morning and be like man prayer is hard and like I know I can't say I hate it because I'm in church and I shouldn't say I hate prayer but it's just boring and I don't want to And I wish that I was good at prayer, and I love prayer, and I loved reading my Bible. Maybe don't raise your hand, but like a lot of times we feel that way, and it's because we're not putting forth any effort to try, right? It's not like, oh, if I put forth effort, then everything's going to be easy for me. But God blesses his people as they try to obey him. Not perfectly, right? Um, But when when... And the army said, yeah, we'll do what you say. We'll march around Jericho. We'll go fight some battles. Then they didn't win. God won through them, and he gave them blessing and victory. Um, So a lot of times it's, you know, I talk to people, and people have problems. Everybody has problems. And I don't want to minimize this, but usually the people with the biggest problems hey are you reading your bible are you praying regularly no and the people with the small problems that aren't really that big of a deal hey are you reading your bible are you praying yeah and i'm dealing with i mean even people with big problems aren't freaking out about them if they're obeying god in other areas that's just kind of the way it works um tim's like i i get that you're 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 nodding your head there that That might be something that makes sense in about 15 years for you guys. Maybe it makes sense now. So book Joshua, all about obedience. But through it, you also have this theme of sin, right? Um, We already talked about Achan. Sin, man, that's a terrifying story too. Um, You ever think that your personal sin, like, hey, I stole some gold. This affects me and no one else. We were gonna burn it. But I took it instead. So I can, like, this is a sin between me and God. Nothing, no one else is affected. And 36 people die because of it. Sin always has collateral damage, right? Obedience has collateral blessing too, um, which is kind of terrifying, right? It's the same thing as Jonah, right? Jonah flees from God. And like all these sailors are freaking out because their sin hurts them. Um, or you have Joshua and I. familiar with the Gibeonites? That's a fun word for you. And uh, Gibeonites here, you know, apparently Israel's coming in. They're just kicking butts and taking names. Like, let's go make a treaty with them. So they go and run the Goodwill, get some old nasty clothes, throw them on. They're like, hey, we've traveled ages to get here. Please don't destroy our land. They're like, all right, that's fine. And it's like they live next door. And you're like, oh, shoot, I should have, you know. And basically the leaders of Israel didn't pray about it. They didn't ask God if this was a good idea. It wasn't. Um, But they made an ally with them and the Gibeonites, you know, lived there ever since uh, because they didn't pray. Or in 1813, I I told you, like, they just gave up attacking and and finding the land. Joshua said to the people, how long will you put off going to possess the land which the Lord your fathers have given you? Um, He's like, just, Go, take the land. Like, God is giving this to you. You need to go grab it. And like, yeah, that seems like a lot of work. I'm good. And he's like, but God wants to bless you. Come get God's blessing. No, no, we're, we're not going to do that. There's just this kind of, you know, I've had a little bit of blessing. I'm good. Um, anybody ever get lazy or apathetic? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. There's... Not so much, so, um, maybe we'll deal with this in small groups a little bit. There's this sense of commission, which means I did something wrong. Like stealing some gold, right? Then there's this sense of omission, that's because I don't know how to spell it. and that's when you're. I didn't do something right. And in the book of Joshua, we have lots of this. In the church, we like to talk about this, right? You lie, you steal, you cheat, you know. That's bad. But what about you didn't pray? You didn't do what God asked you to do. This is what's highlighted in the book of Joshua. And I think we'll find some of that in our own lives as well. You guys have questions so far? I'm trying to go quick here. All right. And the last thing is sovereignty. So this book is all about the power of God, God's absolute power. Um, this is not a book about battles and joshua even though it has his name on it this is a book about god right you see in joshua 3 5 god gives the people the land joshua 10 12 god gives the people victory joshua 10 20, 42 god fights for israel joshua 23 3 god gets the credit for this all throughout the book god is is taking all of the credit for the things that are happening i'll go to joshua four twenty three real quick Let's just read this. Um, when we get there, somebody read Joshua 4:23 and 24.: For so the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. All right. So, what are the two reasons given for basically all of the stuff that happens in the book of Joshua? Laura just read it in verse 24. Yeah, sorry. To show how mighty the Lord is. All right. So, show. God's power. And what's the second reason? What's that? Yeah, so that you, not, you know, the people out there, but the people that are experiencing this would fear and worship God. Which is kind of a theme we've been seeing, right, as we go through. Everything God's doing is to, you know, make his name glorious and to make us to worship him. And the way that... Am I getting ahead of myself? I am. We'll we'll come back there in just a second. Any, Any problems with sovereignty in the book of Joshua? Any questions that you want to ask but are afraid to? Such as let's
1: kind of topic, but does sovereignty actually mean absolute
0: power? Absolute power, do whatever, no limits. Um, what about if God is sovereign and good and he tells his people go kill thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, men, women, children, animal, and burn the cities to the ground. Any issues there? Thank you, because if God takes credit for everything, God's not being like, "Oh, I didn't tell you to kill people." Um, let me, uh, Joshua six seventeen, we're on that page. And the city, this is Jericho, and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Um, or next chapter seven twelve, right? Um, therefore people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies they turn back before their enemies uh, because they have become devoted to destruction or of the next chapter right this is Ai the second round and you shall do to Ai and its kings as you did to Jericho and its kings um, this time you can take the livestock and the gold and the silver but kill everyone this is difficult this is a big deal I'm going to Oh, steamroll small groups, but I, uh, I feel like I just opened a can of worms that nobody cared about. and now you're like, okay, we got to do something with this. Um, so what do we do with, you know, between Noah's flood and the return of Jesus at the end times? this is like the biggest slaughter in the Bible. What do we do with this? When God says to do it? Anybody see the problem here? Jeremy, you're good with this? Jeremy, All right. I know why. What do what, what, what you got for me? So, I uh, learned it from watching this um, show for a little bit. Tales. yep. Uh, what's in the Bible? Okay. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. 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 okay. I have person. I don't know. Okay. What. So... Pilvester? Yeah. So, pretty much the way that they pictured it is, if your friend gives someone a toy... Okay. And then he wants to give it to you, but the other friend doesn't want to give it back, that would be wrong.
1: Okay.
0: So if God gives the people a Mm land,
1: and
0: they don't want to give it back to God to give it to someone else, then they're in the wrong. Okay. Uh, I'm tracking with that. I'm tracking. I I get the logic. I want to take a step beyond the kids' movies. and, but yeah, I like I like where that's headed. What, what we're talking about here and this issue, um, this this kind of dissonance, this kind of non thing like, man, this does not fit. Like this doesn't seem right. How can God be this way, or, or etc. All that ties so closely in with um, with what you wrote in the previous slide at the bottom about mm. like, the fear of God. Um, and uh, I, I'm sure we're about to flush that right. even more. But uh, So not only is God sovereign over, you know, these things, but God is sovereign over life and of death. Uh, So does God take responsibility for the killing of the people in the land? Yes. Um, Back in Deuteronomy, I mean, thousands of years before this, um, God says, hey, I'm going to drive them out and make them perish quickly. And then he says to Israel, verse 4, do not say in your heart after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you. It is because of my righteousness that the Lord brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Okay, so here's what I would say. It's easy to take the land and be like, I'm the good guy. I'm alive in the land. They're the bad guy. That's why they're dead, not in the land. But God says, don't say that. Verse 5, Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations before the Lord, your God is driving them out from before you, and that he may confirm the word that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. Um, So it's not because, you know, Israel's good, Canaan, the people that lived there, were bad. It is because Canaan's bad that God's using them to judge them, um, but not because of their goodness. Um, yeah, we'll come back there in a second. So, so let me let me back up from Joshua a second and just ask the question: Question, can God rightfully kill people? No. Yeah. yeah, we're we're more or less okay with that. Yeah. 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 God owns all of life. God created it. He has the right to do with it, whatever he wants. He's the sustainer of life. That's Psalm 24, Job 41, Acts 17. Um, and God, everything he does is good and wise and just and right. So, so God gives and he takes as he pleases. And it's always right when God does this. No one can say he was wrong in this. Um, Deuteronomy 20, 32 says, I kill and I make alive. That's what God does. Life comes from God. Life is taken by God. Um, This is how he is. He's perfectly righteous. No one can charge him with doing wrong. Um, But question again, do we have a right to life? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all creatures are endowed by their creator with unalienable rights like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Declaration of Independence. Not the Bible. Do we have a right to life? Yeah. That's a good question. How do to what? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, do we have a right to life? Yeah. Oh. All right, let me let me let me give you a let, yeah, we, let me let me let me help you out here. This is, so you don't have to have the right, right? answer now. We were talking about there's a the question that we need the answer. That's a trick question. Is yeah. yeah, there's a right to life before other people, right? That's why we have the commandment: do not murder. Because Chloe has a right for me not to take her life from her. Um, we have this this right to life before others, but not necessarily before God, right? God can do whatever he wants with whatever he wants because he owns it all. Um. And so since God owns life, he gives it and he takes it however he pleases, and he's always right in doing so. Um, so. So when you come to Canaan, right, is God wrong for, you know, taking life? No, because God has the right to do whatever he wants. Actually, uh, back in Genesis 15, so Abraham lived in Canaan, right, in that area. He says, we're going to come back and get this land, but you're going to go to Egypt first. You're going to be there in a little while until the iniquity of the Amorites is complete. Um, basically saying, you know what? I'm being patient with these people. Their evil is evil. But once it bubbles up over the top, that's when judgment comes. So God's patient with them, um, letting them live in their sin before judgment. And... Um, so when, when they're judged by God through the, the Israelite armies, it's fair judgment. God's not wrong. He is punishing evil, which everybody says, yeah, that's justice. If you're you know, a Canaanite, you worship Baal, that means you, you know, worship idols. Uh, you're probably sacrificing. You're burning your kids alive to the idols and sacrificing them. You know, there's all sorts of immorality. Um, you know, they're just I, evil people. Yeah, you should be judged. That, we're good with that. Um, at the same time, what's going on in Israel? They're not the people that deserve the land. They should be judged too. The story, if, if life was fair, the story of Joshua would be God judged the Canaanites for being evil And then God judged the Israelites for being evil too. And now everyone's dead. The end. Um, But in God's grace, he forgave Israel and gave them the land because they earned it. No, we already said, don't think you were righteous to get this land. Um, Rather, it's because of their wickedness that I'm giving it to you. Um, Yeah, I mean, we we won't read all that. Um, So so is God wrong for judging sin? No. No. Is God wrong for giving mercy? No. No. Why did we do this? Or why did he do this? Because the way that God works is he has tied his glory, right? That all the world may fear me and that you may know me. And his people's blessing together. We saw this in the Exodus. We saw this in the Red Sea. We saw this in the law. We saw this in Abraham. um, That God's relentless pursuit is for his glory, which also means his relentless pursuit is for the salvation and the blessing of his people. Um, Which means, I've said this every week, but I'm going to keep saying it until we're in Revelation, right? That your life is in... God's good and righteous hands he can he gave you life he can take it whenever he wants and if you're a Christian the way that God gets glory is through blessing you by giving you life in Jesus Christ by by you know slaughtering his son who did not deserve it the only righteous one so that we who deserve judgment can live and God be righteous um And so Joshua is constantly pointing us to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That wickedness is punished, the iniquity of the Amorites um, is going to be punished, but also God gives grace, free grace, that's an important word, right? Otherwise it's not grace, um, to his people so that they would worship him and glorify him. Um, So maybe the thought, God has power over my life, is a bit scary the word i want to use yes it's a little bit scary right we think you know this is something that the bible clearly teaches but not a lot of christians want to believe but if you think about what's what's the alternative right who do you want to have power over your life you want blind fate to be powerful oh no there's a hurricane coming i guess i'm dead because nature doesn't care is that what we want you want Satan to be in control over your life? The evil one who hates you and wants to destroy you? I have one more. Or do we want, you know, a good, kind, heavenly father to be the one who holds the final authority over all of life? Um, so let me, let me end with this. Why do we have the conquest then? Why do we even have this story of Joshua? Because it teaches God is faithful to his promises. He promised Abraham he's going to give him, give him land He did. But as we see, they still need to be saved from their sin. Land is not enough. And we see the land was given to bless Israel. Um, But what end? At the end of the book, he says, For the Lord has driven out before you a great and strong nation. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts a flight to a thousand, since it's the Lord your God who fights for you. Just as he promised you, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. God blesses his people so that they would love and worship him. So, so six weeks in, you know, here's what I hope you're starting to see. Um, one, hope you're starting to see the storyline of the scriptures, right? We don't just have a bunch of, you know, animals on an ark, something about soup with Esau, And Rahab and a red piece of yarn that I'm not quite sure what's happening. I hope we're getting this bigger storyline coming together. Uh, I hope you're seeing the theme of scripture. A theme is God trying to glorify himself. Um, And also God's glory being tied to the grace that he gives his people. And I hope we see, you know, God is faithful. God is answering his promises. Promises are being fulfilled. But at the same time, they're not. We're waiting for something more, which will come when we get to you know, the birth of Christ in a few months.